to a, another episode of Protein Ramblings. It's just myself and Naomi here again today. How do? And we're back, as promised, to discuss about the media that scardles as children. <laughs> this is be a it, rich topic. Yeah, <laughs> be it books, be it film, be it's it TV a poster shows. on a wall. Yes, and yeah. So um, there's a lot to cover. Yes, yes, there is. How do, uh, how so, do we come up with this? Well, we, t- we were talking about Prince Philip dying. And I think you just like messaged me. We should talk about the stuff that scarred us as kids. No, it no, like, it came up. It came up. It came up way before we were talking about. I can't remember what it was. Prince it was Philip. just. It was really out of the blue. But we yeah, were both no, like, no, no, yes, this, this is a good idea. Like, I, I can't see any connection between Prince Philip dying and the media that scarred in any shape or. No, that's fair. But I do think, and I think it came up before that. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So where do you want to start? Well, really, what what media do we have in common that scared that scarred us? I, I mean, think we discovered today a little bit of Red Dwarf. Yeah, so okay, because this, this one's funny and silly, <laughs> really. So I am a huge Red Dwarf fan. I mean, like diehard. Like I like I've mentioned on previous episodes, I picked up a bit of a Scouse twang because I watched so much Red Dwarf. Like I just consumed it voraciously, but that wasn't always the case. So when I was really, really young, my cousin Lee had a Red Dwarf poster, like a Despair Squid poster on the wall. Uh, well, I say, yeah, so it was it was an episode, it was referencing the episode in season four, Despair Squid, or mm-hmm. Back to Reality yeah, is yeah, the yeah. episode. And uh, it was like a rendition of the Despair Squid, which you never actually see in the no, episode. No, I was just thinking that, because when you said it was a Despair Squid poster, I was thinking, I don't actually know what that would look like. Well, that's the thing. It like you don't see it in in the show at all. It's mm. just like all you see is an inky, blobby mess. Yeah, it it it, it just terrified me. It was just this like creepy, creepy poster. Mm. And for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. Well, not years. No, it's not. I'm over exaggerating. <laughs> a period point. of time. <laughs> for 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 a long time, I was just like, I'm not watching a dwarf. I'm no, 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 no. It wasn't until like Lee was just like, right, no, this is ridiculous. We are sitting down and watching this, and I was like, oh my. God, what a dick. <laughs> it's like genuinely, um, so our American listeners out there may not know Red Dwarf because it did get, an, it got an American pilot, but it didn't really go very far. It, if you're proper sci-fi nerdy, you'll probably know it. If you don't, go check it out. It's, in my opinion, the greatest British sit- Greatest Bra- British sitcom? Yes. Yeah, to a it, point. Like, there's, I yeah, think yeah, you have to stop basically after season six. six yeah. Stop, don't watch after season six. If you must, season seven's okay. And that's, that's the best I can say. It's got some points that do make me laugh, but mm, mm. not worth it. Yeah. Not in the grand scheme of things. I didn't watch it until I was an adult. I, I think I was at university when I first watched it, in fact. I wouldn't say there was a scarring experience, but my secondary school English class, there was a post on the wall of one of the book covers. It was called The Last Human, The Last Man. The Last Human. And it's like uh, yep. a, a mountain of skulls and bones and then there's just this silhouetted figure at the top. Yeah, and which is Lister. Being someone who as a kid wasn't into sci-fi and was very sheltered from horror, I was just like, well, this is clearly not for me. This is going to be some horrific post-apocalyptic cannibalistic murder book. And I, you know, I'm not allowed to read that kind of thing. <laughs> so. I will say that the uh, the Red Dwarf supplemental media, um, so the Red Dwarf supplemental media, the books and the audio play are a little bit darker in tone. They're still 
very, very funny. They're still a comedy. They're still great. There's, it's the same kind of humor, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, completely. Yeah. And the audio plays are really worth checking out yeah. because Chris Barry reads them and he does the funniest impressions of everybody. He does everyone so well. Though that's the thing. Like, I didn't realize it was just him and uh, not Craig Charles doing Lister. He does a great Lister. He does really good Crichton. He does really good Holly. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's it's and they, it's a very cohesive storyline in the audio plays. So it actually has a, a proper ending, and it has it, it's re, it's really good yeah. it, in terms of the story structure. It's actually better than the TV show. To my knowledge, still no cannibalism. No, no, no. There, okay. are, there is no cannibalism yeah. in Red Dwarf in its entirety, as far as I can remember. I guess the closest thing. I mean, there's lots of jokes that Lister eating curry is like being a cannibal because he's yeah. so on the balls. <laughs> So that's a fairly that's a fairly mild one. Like that I don't think that left any lasting scars. No, I mean quite the big Red Dwarf fans. Yeah, quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. In fact. What was your first or your earliest thing that you were like, this has fundamentally changed me as a human being? So for me, I think Animals of Farthing Wood has got to be up there. Mm, Probably for a whole generation of British kids. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if it existed much outside the UK. No, I'm not sure. But it genuinely, like just from the opening title scene alone. I read the books before I saw the TV series. Never read the books. Uh, The books are even fucking worse because there's so many more of them. There's so much time to get dark and sad and... We've got Weird. so many cats in the studio right now. <laughs> They've come to listen to us talk about animals dying. <laughs> Sorry, cats. Sorry. But yeah, I I only watched the TV show because I didn't want to read the books after I saw the TV show. I was just like, fair. It's a good choice. I mean, yeah. the, the TV show does cover the plots of some of the books, like um, uh, Fox's Feud is one of the books where he has the like the the rivalry with the other fox family in the park. And so you've you've memorized this way more. <laughs> well, I I mean I had so many of them and I read them repeatedly, even though they horrified me. Okay. A lot of Colin Dan's books are like that though. They're all about animals just having a bad time. Right. They're like animals you wouldn't expect. There was one of his books that was called The Ram of Sweet River. Doesn't that sound nice? It's I, about I, sheep. I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess yeah. These sheep get driven away from their nice safe farm by a fire and they go wild. <laughs> And there's like, they have to deal with a farmer's dog that's gone feral and is trying to kill them. And there's inter-flock rivalries between the ram and his son and lots of people, lots of sheep die. And then they go home because they're like, you know what? Being wild is shit. Yeah, okay. So they go back to their farm. Um, But the the Farthing Wood books, the one that really kind of did it for me was the Fox Cub Bold. Okay. Which is a later one. So it's the child of the original fox from the animals of Farthing Wood. And he leaves White Deer Park because he wants to be like a free fox. I vaguely remember this because I'm sure they did this in the they, TV they show They might have well. done. He goes off, he has adventures, he has horrible times. Like, it's really shit, you know? He's starving and hurt. and It's it's so, oh God, it's so sad. Yeah, the and whole... then he, he meets another, he meets a lady fox yes. and they fall in love and he's like, now I'm going to have baby foxes. I should take them back to the park where it's safe. And so they, they go back to the park. But before he gets into the park, he dies. Yes. And it was the uh, yeah, first yeah, yeah. book I'd read as a kid where an animal, <laughs> like the hero died. It was not just a character. It was like, you'd been with this poor fox for so long and the end of the book is him just dying like meters from safety and my parents were like you know you don't have to read these books if you don't want to because they're obviously upsetting you and I was like no it's fine I'm gonna buy the next one (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah so on like animals of power was just 
dark, and I think it was intended to be dark. Like, possibly. I, I, that, I mean, having I read a lot of Colin Dan's books, yeah, yeah, he never shied away from like, look, real life is sometimes ends in in death. Yeah. So, in fact, real life always ends in death. Um, well, I mean, that's he wasn't afraid big... to say that. Again, like we were saying with Mark in the last episode of Ulysses, life lessons maybe kids need to know. You know, yeah, everybody dies. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. On the subject of fox, fo- uh, foxes, foxes, foxes. Uh, Foxes. On the subject of foxes, Fox and the Hound. Yeah, see, I never saw that. Probably just as well. Don't. I have a lot of fox-related trauma in my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> like, foxes are an, an, uh, an inherently cute animal. Yeah, everyone loves foxes. They're great. They're cheeky little scallywags. You've got fantastic Mr. Fox. Apart from when they're having sex and they sound like demons spawn from hell. Yeah, but everybody's got their thing, right? <laughs> it's because foxes' penises... A barbed. They barbs like cats. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they don't talk maybe, about maybe. that. Any animals are fucking <laughs> for, Probably for good reason. <laughs> there are some lessons that maybe kids don't need to know just yet. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, The Fox and the Hound is like, like a lot of the Disney of that era. Although it may end relatively happily. Fuck me, is it dark as shit in yeah. the middle? A lot of, well, I mean, with a lot of Disney stuff, obviously it's based on fairy tales and fairy tales are hella dark. They're meant to be. They're morality stories about what happens if you go off with court predators or if you don't do your chores or whatever. They're meant to instill fear in the listener and teach them an important life lesson. So Disney films, the adaptations of fairy tales are inherently dark. They're not like the original story of Sleeping Beauty is horrific. Yeah. Like there's no way they could have adapted that to its its full horror (laughs) and still been allowed to show it to kids. But The Fox and the Hound sounds nice. Yeah, I mean, but if you watch the trailer for Fox and the Hound, it even the trailer was dark. It, I didn't really see it till I was an adult, so I'm saying it scarred me. I didn't really see it till much later on in life because I kept seeing the trailer for it and I was like, fuck no. Yeah. No, no to all of that. Like Bambi. I've yeah. never seen I've, I've never, never seen, seen Bambi. Bambi. Do you remember did, when you were a kid, did you ever get shows that were just like clips of Disney shows? They'd yeah, come yeah. on holidays well, and they'd be like, here's a scene from whatever. I had lots of Disney videos we back did. in the day when they used to advertise other films at the we beginning did. We of the didn't video. have Bambi because it upset my older brother, I believe, so we didn't have that. But <laughs> oh, we sometimes, David. I know, he, he has issues with sharks as well from childhood that we just, and llamas. Um, <laughs> Sharks, I mean, sharks is a sharks sensible make, Well, no, it's not, because how often are you going to encounter a shark in your day-to-day life? Well, uh, yeah, there is like that. You have to go out of your way to find a shark. How often or you a llama. Gonna, yeah, I was going to say, how often are you going to encounter? But llamas well, are just friendly. When he went to Chile, he did get chased by a llama. <laughs> so he well, was he right. Well, go to Chile. But anyway, so we didn't have Bambi because I think he'd seen it and it upset him. But we had seen, you'd get those clip shows and, and you'd see the clips of Bambi. And even just the clips were enough for me to be like, I'm out. I, like, I don't need this. No. I'm young. Yeah, yeah, I don't need this in my life yeah. right now at all. So no, I've never seen Bambi either. Like I know it. Obviously, oh, yeah, I, I mean, everybody you, you knows learn it. learn the story by osmosis. But yeah, Bambi's I'm never mother dies. It. It's horrible. She's killed by a hunter. Hunter's there's a bad. fire. Yeah, there's a fire. Talking, like there's a lot of animal trauma. Another one that was kind of traumatic, but I did love was The Land Before Time. Yes, I used to watch that like once a week. <laughs> Devastatingly sad. sad. Really sad. <laughs> Especially because you know, like, even though they may like kind of survive, it's all futile. They all got wiped out. It's <laughs> <laughs> the real message. <laughs> Dinosaurs were shit. Yeah, man. Like, fuck they those had guys. No survival instincts. They had their chance. <laughs> yeah. Now it's us, and look what we've done. We've yeah. only mildly destroyed the planet. And, and dinosaurs are technically still around in the form of birds. So you know who's who's the real evolutionary winner. So lots of animal sticking with the animal 
theme as well. And it's something that you've not seen. We've been discussing it a lot uh, over the last few days. Yeah. Um, it's the never-ending story. Mm. So never-ending story is amazing, but it is dark. And there's a number of things in that film which are kind of dark. Like, he's a friendly character. When you first come across him, there's the rock muncher who's terrifying. He's yeah. just this giant rock beast that eats rocks. But, like, honestly, you realize... made of rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is cannibalism. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I never really thought of it like that. Something so he, else to dwell on. <laughs> he's, he's, really, he's really kind of, like, an intimidating figure when you first see him. But he's, he's really friendly. The real, like, traumatic bits of ending story are when Atreyu's uh, uh, horse Artax dies because the way he dies is so brutal and traumatic yeah. he gets caught in mud in mud it's like not, sink, yeah, sink, yeah. like quicksand so I, obviously as discussed I've never seen this I don't really know why it's the kind of thing I would have been into as a kid like it falls into that kind of labyrinth dark crystal yeah, Princess it's Bride very much of that, films, that, yeah. that ilk of film and yeah. I think I've seen the second one really because that's Part nowhere near as good um, but I haven't seen the original. But this scene of this horse dying is so stamped into our generation's collective psyche that I've seen that scene hundreds of times in like GIFs and video clips. So I, I know what it's like. It's, but it has no impact on me because I didn't see it as a kid. I'm just like, obviously, it's sad a horse dies. But, you know, we grew up on the animals of Farthing Wood. Horses are going to die. <laughs> and also, I grew up on uh, the Grand National. So horses are going to die. die. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it still was like, in in the context of the film, it's just like everything's going wrong for Atreyu. Every like, you know, it's that it's that point in you know the the hero's journey mm. where you're like, oh no, like it's the reckoning. Yeah, point. the dark night of the soul kind of thing. Exactly, mm. and Atreyu's just lost, and he's lost. He's lost his horse, his best friend, and it, everything just looks bleak as shit. Basically, what I found to be even at, like even more scarring from Neverending Story was the nothing. Yeah, see, I don't know about this. So the nothing is the big bad of the entire show. And it's the whole thing with the nothing is it, it you don't see much of it for the most of the film. It's basically just eyes in a black cave. Oh, okay. And it's this giant, it, when you do kind of, it's basically, if I'm remembering right, because I've not seen it for years, it's like some giant, big black wolf-like creature mm. and it's puppet it's animatronic type puppetry which in and of itself is just generally quite unnerving yeah. like claymation stuff has got some shit to answer for in my childhood <laughs> as well <laughs> definitely but the nothing just throughout that entire film is this omnipresent force that's impeding the good guy and threatening to destroy I want to call it Eternia, like the world, <laughs> but it's not in the slightest, mm -hmm. but I'm sure it's something akin to that name. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's fucking horrible. Yeah, see, I, yeah, this is the thing. Like, I think we are going to watch it because we're going to do yeah, the thing yeah, where we watch to. stuff I didn't watch. Yeah, and I don't know if watching these things as an adult, obviously it's going to hit different. I mean, I didn't watch The Exorcist until I was an adult. And I was like, what the fuck was all the fuss about? Like, why are my parents so adamant that I should never watch this film? It's yeah, stupid. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't... It doesn't have the same impact no. nowadays that it did then. Yeah. And I also think that I think that's somewhat generational in a way, because yeah. let's be honest, a lot there's a lot more atheism in our generation, especially in the West. There is. And I think there are fewer firsts as well. Like 
to talk about The Exorcist again, when it came out, there hadn't been a horror film like that. It was a very new thing and people's reactions to it were very kind of raw and visceral because there was nothing else like it. Whereas now we live in an age where most of the stuff you want is a few finger clicks away, right? You can see pretty much anything you want to. So it's much harder to be (laughs) shocked and upset, I guess. (laughs) Yes, completely, completely agree with that. Yeah, so generally speaking, there's not a lot of firsts. No, it's it's harder to shock. When I think about the things I've seen as an adult that have really hit me, it's it's stuff that I would not have had access to normally, like um, Japanese horror films, like Audition specifically. You know, when I saw that for the first time, literally I'd never seen anything like it and I watched a lot of it from behind a pillow. I mean, I was like, I was 18, 19 when I watched that and I was terrified. Well, let's be fair, Audition is a creepy, creepy film. On so many levels. Like, it's fantastic and anyone out there listening who's not seen Audition, definitely go and see it. It's a must-see from the Asian kind of horror genre. I would recommend day over Ringu and uh, The Grudge. Yeah, or- I would, but I would also recommend you do have a pillow handy. Because that's the only way I got very, very squirmish. Well, I attempted to watch it twice and both times I had to hide behind a pillow. Really? See, I I really enjoyed that film. I I didn't have any, I didn't have any issues watching that film. But then I don't really have any issues with anything. No, I mean, I don't think I'm particularly squeamish now. I mean, there there is a certain ambiance to the entire film that just puts you in an air of discomfort. It's a very unsettling film right from the start. Because even the premise, the the, the very beginning setup where he's like, the guy's like, I'm going to find a wife, but I'm going to do it by telling people that they're auditioning for ballet. But, you know, it's it's creepy from the get-go and then Mm -hmm. it just escalates so hard and so (laughs) fast. So, so we've got quite a few things that Scar does in common, but we've got some differences as well. Yeah. So, Go on, Superman 3, let's go. Oh, God. <laughs> I, oh, I can't even... Okay, so I don't know how old I was when I saw this, mm-hmm. but some things are very stamped in my mind. I was at my grandparents' house. They had, they had this farmhouse. We must have been there for a family hall. It must have been like Christmas or something because that tended to be the only time we would go there because of being in the army. Yeah. Um, and that's also the time of year where you get films like Superman 3 on TV, I guess. Yeah, t- typically the Superman films would be around Christmas yeah. or Boxing Day or so, one of the holiday yeah, things. I was I was young. I was definitely preteen. Yeah. Um, and Superman three was on, and I was fine with it. I didn't really care about it, but I was fine with it up until near the end of the film. There's a scene where a woman is pulled into a. Ma- I can't remember the context. She's pulled into so a machine and she's it, made into a cyborg. Rich, right? If I remember rightly, Richard Pryor plays the bad guy in mm. that. Uh, or no, he's not the the bad bad guy, but he's like sidekick of the bad guy. Yeah. It's been a long time since I watched it, but uh, yeah, there's this like AI or the machine thing, and it. It's almost got an air of um, the Japanese about it in the way the the, the cables kind of wrap yes, around. Yes, very and... much so. Yeah, so she's she pulled into this machine and she's Mechanical turned tentacles. into a yeah turned into a cyborg. She's plated in metal. <laughs> That's already a word. Yeah, I was about to say. I'm trying to figure out what your poor <laughs> man doing. I was trying to like mechanical and tentacles. I was okay, like mechanical mentacles. Mentacles. <laughs> So she's, and she's, or is that just mental tentacles? Maybe your mentacles. Yeah, <laughs> you're crazy for tentacles. Your mentacles. <laughs> Stop interfering with my Sorry. childhood trauma. Um, she's pulled in this machine. She's made into a cyborg, and she comes out, and she just starts like gunning for people. And I don't know if it was, it was just the most horrific thing I'd ever seen at that point in my life. It terrified me. I think. You can't really analyze these things as a kid, but looking back, it was like, you know, the loss of bodily control and autonomy yeah. and that sense that something can make you do things against your will, or take away your humanity. But as a kid, I was just like, that's fucking terrifying. And the thing is, this is something that's that stuck with you to this day because you hate 
robots. I do. Um, like, I can watch stuff with robots. Like, I've watched all the Terminator yeah, films. Yeah, I didn't yeah. freak out, but I don't fucking like them. I wouldn't have a rumba in the house. <laughs> I, much to my uh, much to my chagrin. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I had I slept with the lights on for weeks after this, and I had I went through this massive dilemma of whether to have my bedroom curtains open or not because it was like if they're closed, if she's at the window, she can't see me. Mm-hmm. But if they're open, if she comes to the window, I can see her and I can get away as long as my bedroom door is open. But if my bedroom door is open, she can come up the stairs and get me. And I had this like complete mental panic every night for weeks afterwards. I've never watched that film again. Would I hate, you, wa- would you I, watch it again? I don't know. Because like, the thing is... It's probably it's, not as bad as I remember at all. No, I don't think it is. I think I think upon a rewatch, you'd probably realise how dated the but effects even things, are. And... Even things I saw that reminded me of it, like there's an episode of Defenders of the Earth, which I love, where there's a very similar storyline. I know exactly yeah. which one you mean. There's like the, the cyborgs that want to become human. Human, yeah. and they, they're like, oh, they, tr- they kidnap the Defenders of the Earth kids, yeah. and they're like, we're going to take your body. Like, And it's not like we're going to put our brains... Like no. They want to cut their skin off and put it exactly. on them exactly. to make them human because uh, the, the woman st- turn, like falls in love with Flash yes, doesn't she yeah. um, but that is actually something that because re- I had a VHS of Defenders of the mm. Earth and that was one of the three episodes that was on that VHS yeah. and Jesus Christ yeah that, that episode was surprisingly dark for Defenders of the Earth and seeing I saw that after I saw Superman 3 and it just kind of brought it all back home again <laughs> I was just like this is horrific and this is how humanity will die on the on the the kind of robot topic, and I may have touched on it in previous episodes, but I obviously had I had a massive issue with RoboCop. Well, that's not surprising if you saw it as a child. Well, I did. It's I not mean, for and kids. I saw it. And like a, a lot of the stuff we've talked about is for kids, or you know, with parental guidance. Okay, but RoboCop is not for kids. No, it's definitely not. And uh, I think. The problem was as well, I was ill, so I was like yeah. fever dreaming, like I mentioned before. But in the Ulysses episode, I think it was. Mm. But yeah, that really stuck with me for a long time. Like, couldn't watch the Robocop cartoon, mm. which argu- arguably shouldn't have been a thing no, anyway. Because right? again, I can't say this enough Robocop is not for kids. No, not at all. Uh, I mean, to be honest, actually, if you watch maybe Robocop 3. It gets it gets a lot less. Yeah, that diminishing returns. Yeah, thing. I mean it's yeah. a lot less, a lot less of that real hyper hyper violence. Mm-hmm. It did become more of more. I won't say family friendly, but no. there was definitely a little bit more down. of a hit, it toned down hint to try and appeal a bit more to teenagers because yeah. of the popularity of the toys and everything. See, again, like that. I didn't watch Robocop until I was an adult. In fact, I think we we watched it together. Really? And yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't remember when. It was a while ago, but I definitely hadn't seen it before I watched it with you. Okay. It's a classic. It's a good film. And it's it, a great it is that film. kind of hyper violent, stylized 80s action flick. But again, it just doesn't hit the same way. Don't watch the remake. It's fucking shit. <laughs> Sorry, I really <laughs> emphasize how bad that film is. But yeah, again, it doesn't hit the same way. It's like, obviously, as a kid, you shouldn't have seen it. But I, no, no. I'm guessing, unlike me, there weren't really many limits on what you were allowed to watch. Uh, no, not really. I mean, I saw Alien when I was really, really young. Yeah. Didn't, bother me at all either i love that film from the first like it was quite funny because i'd watch it i watched it with my mom she was just like oh, come on let's watch alien i want you to see this film and she's there jumping and hiding like oh <laughs> and i'm like this is fucking awesome <laughs> like i want more of this and we yeah. i think we mar- we watched all three alien films in a day and i was <laughs> just like well yes spent. yeah so we didn't get to watch anything like that I mean, I don't even know. I mean, Jurassic Park was probably about the level of violence my parents were okay with us seeing. I know my older brother used to sneak off to friends' house to watch horror films. Yeah. Um, and I used to, I had Stephen King books that I had to hide under my bed because my parents were like, you shouldn't be reading this kind of thing. It's going to scar you. And 
maybe they were right. What were there any books that kind of left a lasting impact on you, other than the Animals of Farthing Wood <laughs> books? <laughs> Animals of Farthing Wood, yes. The only other one that really it stuck with me to this day is a book we had to read for English in school. Uh, it was maybe 15, 16 years old. Yeah. Called Brother in the Land. Don't know it. So it, in retrospect, it's not a long book. It felt long at the time because we were reading like a chapter per week. Um, and it, it was a painful experience. <laughs> um, it's about the aftermath of a unspecified nuclear incident in England. It's, I think it's a war. Sorry, say, say No, nu- you know I can't say it. Sorry, say it again. Nuclear. Yes, thank you. <laughs> nuclear. Not nuclear. Nuclear, nuclear war. <laughs> um, but I think, I think it's set in Sheffield. A bomb drops on and it's like the aftermath, basically. Oh, was there a TV show of this? I don't know, but there, I mean, there are a lot of things that are like I this. I have vague recollections of a TV show from, I think it might have been around the 70s. I mean, you had re-ed. stuff like Threads. That was a very similar premise. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of Threads. So, I mean, in the book, you're following this young kid. Mm-hmm. I think his name's Danny. Um, his mother is killed outright, if I recall correctly. His dad and his younger brother and him survive, but yep. obviously there's radiation sickness to deal with. Yep. And because the first thing that happens in the aftermath of a, an apocalyptic event like that is gangs of roving criminals form, um, there's that kind of thing. He meets a girl called Kim, another survivor. They kind of have a relationship. In some ways, it's very typical YA stuff. Yeah. But it because it's dealing with like radiation sickness and lawlessness and society collapsing and, you know, people are starving and they're dying and malformed babies are being born all the time. And towards the end of the book, you find out that Kim is pregnant. And okay. they're like, okay, for one thing, she's like 15, 16. Yeah. So that's not good. But for the other thing, you don't want to be pregnant in the fallout of a nuclear disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it was just a very grim book. There was no hope at the end of it. The younger brother dies, they bury him, and there's this whole thing about all these people they've had to bury and how they have to move away from this town and try and find somewhere safe to have the baby and all that. Yeah, but it's so fucking bleak. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. That's a fairly accurate and apt way to portray a nuclear holocaust. Yeah, I'm not though, I think. saying that it would be like <laughs> rainbows and sunshine <laughs> but as a 15 16 year old i don't know something about that really well you have a real big issue penetrated with, nu- with my nuclear brain. weapons well, in general, maybe right? it's because of this book i don't know because I, I certainly went through a phase as a teenager where i was very worried about nuclear war <laughs> like really worried um because there's that that fantastic documentary that um me and dave watched uh trinity and beyond mm. which is about all the nuclear testing that they've done yeah and you fucking hated that yes and I'm, like, I'm correct. They, I'm what, correct. I mean, it's true. Why have they blown up so many nuclear yes, bombs? Yes, why do you keep doing that? Why do we need to keep doing that? Nuclear bombs in space, nuclear under bombs the ocean, underwater. Like, it, my favorite things about like when they do the test under the water and they're like, holy shit, we didn't factor in that the pressure of the water was going to compound the explosion and make it even <laughs> fucking worse. It's just like, you dumb fuck. Yeah, no, I, I did go through a period where it was a real concern of mine. And then I read Tommy Knockers by Stephen King, where the main character is also really preoccupied with nuclear disarmament and, and all that kind of thing. So that didn't help. <laughs> See, I didn't read Tommy Knockers until after I saw the film. In retrospect, they're both shit. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. And there was one bit of the film, because I saw that quite young, that really stuck with me and gave me... Like, I already had issues with dentists because of dental mishaps and things, but the the scene in that film where he's pulling out his own teeth... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that fucking really... Mm. Oh, <laughs> I don't like tooth shit. No. Like, there's um, 
an episode of the X-Files as well. I think it, I can't remember if it was when Gillian Anderson, like Scully or when Mulder's abducted, but it, it shows them like going to drill into their teeth. And Oh no, it's Dwayne Berry. Mm-hmm. Like, they're drilling into Dwayne Berry's, te- Dwayne Barry's teeth. And I'm like, fuck all that. Shall I tell you what the single most horrifying thing I've seen mm-hmm. on the internet is? A toddler's skull. Because they have all like the three rows of teeth and they're all like, they're under the nose and back of the jaw. It's horrific. It's like some little alien thing. And like my teeth my baby teeth chipped. didn't fall out. My adult <clears throat> teeth started coming in over the top of my baby teeth. And when I see the I picture, the when I see the picture of the toddler skull with all the teeth, that's kind of what I imagine is still there now. It's like all these teeth just kind of waiting to spring out. It is kind of grotesque. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, I had the same problem. I had uh, teeth come through. Uh, I had three sets mm. of teeth. Oh, I only had the two. Yeah, I was free. I was weird. <laughs> um, and my, that's why my teeth are all like, I should have had like, orthodontic treatment and mm, braces yeah, and see, shit. Yeah, see, I did. They, they started on, on nah, that with me like, straight I, away. I was just, I, I was a write-off, so. <laughs> but then I had to go through the, the childhood trauma of having asthma glasses and braces when I was like 10 to 16 years old. Oh, lovely. Um, speaking of scarring experiences. Yeah, sounds it. So for me, in terms of like things that, I mean, the biggest scarring thing for me, again, I mentioned it in Ulysses, but I can't emphasize how much... I was terrified of this as a child and how much it impacted me for so much of my childhood. Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. Mm, Yeah. And by proxy, also the 1950s War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds? War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds film. Mm. But so the Jeff Wayne audio I, I, it's not really an audio. I guess it's kind of an audio drama, but it's it's also a musical. It's, yeah, it's like it, a rock opera. Almost. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's almost what you could call it. Is a rock opera. It's. I mean, it's fucking it's fantastic. Amazing. Yeah, it's like I love it now, mm. really do. But when I was a kid, I was just intrinsically, like to my core, petrified of it being. I almost want to say alien abduction, but it's almost not alien abduction Mm. at the same time. It was just the concept of aliens. Yeah. Which is weird because I didn't have an issue with alien. No. So when when you saw, just to derail a little bit, when you saw alien, did that kind of put an end to you being afraid of aliens? Or did you just kind of register it differently? No, I mean, like... I was still having issues with aliens at that point, but it did. I think yes, it registered different, different, differently because the aliens in that aren't intelligent in mm. the same way, right? I mean, they're not dumb, like, yeah. they're, but they're the same in kind of intelligence as a pack predator, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I think in for that sense, it, it registered differently because it's not that you know, much vast superior intellect. Yeah, that, that can, can be malevolent to you personally. Yeah, yeah, and that could be malevolent to you at a species-wide level and could target you. Do you know what I think the big turnaround for me was? Like, because I was still young when it came out. Independence Day. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the like, hey, no, we fight back, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe that helps as well. Like at the end of Alien, <clears throat> you know, Ripley and Jonesy are safe and they, they've Ish. won. It's safer. <clears throat> Maybe yeah. that helps. For, yeah. for like a while. Yeah. <laughs> but so, I mean, it used to be to the point that uh, my parents, when I was like, they, if I wouldn't, it wouldn't go to bed, they just put it on. And as soon as that dun, dun, dun hit, I'd be like, fucking what the hell? That is some you? negative reinforcement. <laughs> yeah. Like my parents, were, my parents were all in on the negative reinforcement <laughs> kind of thing. But like it really, really stirred me to my core. And as I mentioned in the Ulysses episode, I used to have to sleep facing the door and the window. So where the way my bedroom was laid out, the door into the bedroom was right by mm. the, the big window. 
And I used to have to, I had one of those bunk beds that was a single bed on top and a double bed at the bottom. And I used to sleep on the double bed at the bottom, right up at the back corner, because there was a little bit of an alcove where the bed was. And I'd be right up at the back and I'd have to just kind of like, I'd be sleeping with everything but my eyes poking over the covers, just and I would stare at the door and the window until I fell asleep. Yeah. I couldn't turn my back to it. I just couldn't. This was me with the Superman cyborg lady. Completely, completely the same. And I mean, obviously, I still sleep completely cocooned. Yes, you to, do. To protect myself from monsters. Because <laughs> they're always there. You never know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Just because there haven't been any yet. Um, no, there haven't. I mean, not like, it depends if you want to count people like, you know, a, people abduct people. No, and, I'm, you know, I'm talking like, about literal monsters. Oh, literal, yeah. like... Actual I monsters. Mean, there's an argument to be made that those people are like the closest you'll ever get to actual monsters. Yeah, maybe. but it's funny. When I was a kid, I wasn't scared of of like serial killers. I never killers had stranger or... danger. No, I never not had at all. stranger danger. Not at all. No. None of the PSAs that were supposed no. to make you scared of, sh- of strangers ever worked. And I don't know if this is worked. an army family thing or just a British 80s family thing, but my parents were quite casual about, oh, we'll just leave the pram in the garden so she can get some fresh air and shutting the door, you know? Yeah, or, yeah. Whatever. Like, <laughs> like I remember one time being separated from my mum in a shop. And having a little bit of like, oh no, I don't know where my mom is. But she found me like five minutes later. And that was the height of any problems. Yeah, so for me, like, we grew up on... So I grew up in Manchester, obviously up north, and uh, so streets of terraced housing. And the way our street was laid out is you had the street of terraced housing, and then you had you, everyone had their backyards, and then you could go outside the backyard, and there was an alleyway, and then there was a the wall that you could climb up because it was kind of like shoddy masonry brick type stuff. And then there was a massive park called Coronation Park in Rackleth. Uh, up north and we used to have like street barbecues where like all the families had kind of usually outside mine and my next door neighbors because like my mom and Deisha uh, who was the mum next door they would usually be the kind of instigators of it and then you have mm. like neighbors from a bit further down the street and everyone would just be sat up outside those uh, those backyards and they just let the kids go running off into yeah. the night on the park in the park yeah. you know we'd just be we'd be running all over the park with us i mean we're normally on army camps so it's slightly different you know and there would be a kind of like we well, have to come back before dark like, and you have to stay on the army camp well, was, but yeah there was no real oversight beyond i mean that. this was when like there were no phones so yeah. the only <laughs> way you knew your mom wanted you home is if you could hear her shouting and out they of the had back no door. idea where you were if no, you said you were going to so-and-so's house and you didn't they couldn't tell. <laughs> and I used to do that all the fucking I mean, I time. I was a good girl. And actually, I didn't I go out and play a lot. I was in my room playing with toys. See, I, I, so. I did go out and play a lot. And we had like a... So it was actually directly outside my house. We had a tree that we made into a tree house. Like proper, like not proper, proper, proper tree mm-hmm. house. Like, you know, like walls and shit. Yeah. But we put... We nailed... We, oh, fucking this! I got like that's why I've got one of the scars on my legs because we nail we just got nails and nailed them into the tree to, as a, as footholds to climb up and I slid down once and just <laughs> raised my leg over the knee uh, raised my leg over the knee yeah uh, over the nail and just like opened myself up and we used to have a rope swing hanging off there and we nailed a few platforms up there so we had places to sit and that was directly out the back of my house like yeah. pretty much you could see. My mum could see me in the tree from the kitchen window kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then there was, there were like, it's not bamboo. It was kind of like bamboo, kind of like, kind of like, uh, what's rhubarb mm. that grew all over this part, but it wasn't rhubarb. It was like a weed, but it had that same kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. uh, no, we used to hack into, hack into that and then make a little like patch in the middle that would be like a little den as well. <laughs> so yeah, we, we were allowed to just go off and do our own thing. Yeah. Um, there was a, 
home for battered wives and their kids on the other side of the park. And we used to get into fights with the kids from there all the time. In fact, we got into such a bad fight once the police got called. And the only reason that we didn't get any like charges pressed or anything was because my mum ended up getting a date with the arresting officer. <laughs> Very convenient. <laughs> That's good parenting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like don't 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 prosecute don't get don't prosecute my child. I'll go out with you. <laughs> so yeah, it's like I guess the the things that I was scared of as a kid probably not the same things that my parents were scared of for me as a kid. No, I think I, I, this is what leads me on to what I want to talk about. Were, uh, also, was what do you think kids today like? Because you know I, we consume quite a lot of. Hmm. media that's probably intended for kids these days. Yeah, I would say so. And I can't really think of anything. Obviously, I'm seeing it through an adult eyes, yeah. but I can't think of it. Like, There's you, nothing like... If you think of the things that are big, like the films... I think the, it, the benchmark for me is I am not aware of anything like Watership Down. No, God, no. Or because, Animals of Farthing yeah. Or, you know, going just the things like some of the films like Crawl mm. and... Um, Dark Crystal. Dark what, Crystal. What was is the pretty, one with um, yeah. Tim Tim Carew with the big? Oh, oh, le- uh, is legendary. it legend or legendary? Legendary. Yeah, Legend Tom, or legend. Does yeah. It have Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise as well? yeah. yeah, like stuff. Like, that shit doesn't. No, doesn't you don't make films anymore. like that anymore. No, and like you know, kids' movies these days are the Emoji Movie, the Trolls, yeah, and movie. obviously the re- the real Disney Empire, the kind of the Frozen's and the and all that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, which obviously you know we had Disney. But, but I think they've definitely lightened the tone of Disney over the years. I think so. Although I will make an... Like, and this this scarred me as an adult, I think because I grew up with them, but mm. Toy Story 3 mm. or 4, I think it's 3, the one where, like, they all nearly burn at the end. That's the only thing I can think of that I think actually genuinely a young child, especially one who'd seen all those films and grown to love those characters, well, I can the, really the, see that having an impact. Yeah, I mean, that had an impact on me as an adult mm. because I'd grown up seeing those characters yeah. like I got choked up as a motherfucker at Toy Story 3 <laughs> like yeah. not afraid to admit it you know hashtag man cry <laughs> I don't know if, it's, if the source material now is different I was thinking because the other one I have to talk about is The Last Unicorn yeah so, like, something I never saw something I've never seen yeah. it's it always came across to me as a girl property yeah I mean that's fair and I think it's you know it's fair to say I'm a nearly 38-year-old woman who loves mm. unicorns. I have a unicorn <laughs> tattoo. I have unicorn mugs. I have unicorn jewelry. You're about to have a unicorn tarot deck. Exactly, yeah. I love unicorns. And I haven't watched The Last Unicorn since I was a child because it affected me so deeply. And it's a film that I both love and, and hate at the same time. And it's like, it's, it's a, in a lot of ways a really beautiful film, not just in yeah, terms of animation, yeah. but in terms of the story. But it's also pretty heavy. There's a lot of themes in there that as a kid, you're kind of, you only really can begin to comprehend Ow. as an adult what did you do <laughs> smack me elbow on the desk <laughs> your new desk <laughs> my new desk is out to um, get me so as a, as a brief overview of the plot of the last unicorn starts with the last unicorn who realizes that there are no other unicorns and she goes off to find them has some fairly traumatic adventures of her own on the way um she discovers that all the unicorns have been corralled by this giant creature called the red bull and they've been driven into the sea and on her way to try and find them rescue them um, she meets up with a wizard and a woman named Molly uh, who, who wants to help her. Yep. Um, and there's a point where I'm, I'm really glossing over it. If people haven't seen it, I recommend you either read the book or look it up on Wikipedia because I'm really giving the cliff notes. Um, they have an encounter with the Red Bull. The last unicorn nearly dies. And so Schmendrick, the wizard, turns her into a woman. Schmendrick. Schmendrick, yeah. Schmendrick. Schmendrick. That is just such a horrible mouthfeel to <laughs> he, it. Yeah, uh, he turns her into, into a mortal woman to protect her. And then the Red Bull loses interest because she's not a unicorn anymore. Um, 
they they go to the castle of this king, King Haggard. He's the one who controls the Red Bull. He has this adopted son and the unicorn and the son start to fall in love. Is this where Red Bull pulled their name from? I do sometimes wonder. <laughs> um, but anyway, the climax of the film is they find the Red Bull's den in these caves under the castle. Okay. Um, the, the son, Prince Lear, is killed by the bull. Uh, and that spurs the unicorn to kind of, uh, she changes back, she becomes a unicorn again, she charges and attacks the Red Bull and all the other unicorns kind of emerge from the sea. And, and so the unicorns are back in the world. Yep. But because she's been mortal and she's been in love, she can't rejoin her own kind again because, you know, she's just been fundamentally changed. And as a kid, I was like, well, obviously this is scary. The Red Bull is terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's literally this giant bull of fire that kills unicorns. That's pure evil. And then you get the sadness of this poor This is why you're unicorn. so against me drinking Red Bull. Yes, that's the only reason. <laughs> it's not the gout. <laughs> yeah, FYI, like context i got gout from drinking too much red bull <laughs> go me yeah life goals and all that yeah it's just the, it's just the tragedy of this unicorn who has fought so hard against so many perils and, and barriers to be with her own kind again and then when she can she discovers that she's just too different from them now because of the experiences she's had and you can't really pass that as a kid no definitely not. as a kid i was just like the red bull is terrifying this film made me sad i won't ever watch it again and as an adult i'm like oh no the loss of innocence and the, and the frailty of, of love. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I'd say the loss of innocence is actually probably a good thing. <laughs> I think it depends how it comes about. Well, I mean, I, I, I think my life improved greatly when I lost my innocence. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was open to more possibilities mm-hmm. and drugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I didn't go through a drug phase, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other one that, why you were talking, actually, that made, because the, the transformation thing you mm. were talking about, the thing that, that jumped out to me was Ursula. Oh, from the Little, Little Mermaid. Mermaid. Yeah, that that was a scary one. Yeah. Yes. Like, Ursula was terrifying. She really was. Like, she's someone I've come to view differently as an adult. Like, yeah, the film as a kid, I think we definitely had it on VHS. I think we maybe only watched it once or twice because the ending where she transforms into giant Ursula freaked me out too much. And my mum was like, okay, we're not going to watch this one again. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the point. That's the mm. part I'm on about. Like, yeah, it gets... When she's giant Ursula and the anime... Cause, Disney animation back then really heavily lent into the dark, dark. Yeah, definitely. When it was like, meant to be horrifying, it was. It was, like yeah. um, Maleficent in the original. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like the green mist around mm, her and the, the color dragon. palettes and everything. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was really, really yeah. impactful. And I think Disney got some... I mean, obviously, Disney have a lot to answer for because <laughs> fucking Megacorp taking mm. over the world, owning every piece of media you ever loved, mm-hmm. ever including the fucking... Like, they just own everything. Yeah, basically. Uh, but they have a lot to... I bet that there's a lot of kind of nested trauma. There's and, probably a lot There's probably a lot of kids who had their first nightmares and also their first crushes as a result of Disney films. Like, Fox Robin Hood. A lot of girls' first crushes. Yeah, well, it's always the antro- an, antro- anthropomorphic. anthropomorphic yeah. side of things as well. Yeah, so. like Beast from Beauty and the Beast. Everyone's like, why did he turn back? That's shit. I'm trying to think of Bonnie, because there was definitely a Bonnie rabbit that I was like... Yeah, Are you thinking yeah. of the Cadbury's Caramel Bunny? No, but no. she was pretty hot. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not thinking, I'm not thinking Lola Bunny. Mm. I don't know. There's def- there was definitely a bunny in there somewhere. Mm, probably. Maybe. maybe it was in Robin Hood. I don't know. No, because the bunny's like an old mum in that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet most, most women my age had a thing for Fox Robin Hood at some point. Fox Robin Hood as well was uh, like pretty dark when he's you know the kids are all poor and yeah some scary moments yeah definitely and then the ending actually where the the castle is on fire and you don't know if he's escaped or not 
Like, yeah. Every time I watched that as a kid, even though I knew he was okay, I was still like, oh my God. But yeah, I think in conclusion, there's a lot from our generation and probably, I actually don't know so much about maybe some of the 70s stuff because there was there was a lot of like the nuclear. Yeah, and there was a lot of weird stuff as well. Yeah, but I definitely think our generation... I know maybe some of the Disney stuff was kind of transcendent across a couple of generations, yeah. but it's definitely not as prevalent today. I don't no, think kids think today the, are watching. It seems like the, the 80s old... was a period where it was like, look, we're, we're going to fuck up the kids. Yeah. like, And then in, in general, the 90s, they started to get into the more kind of edutainment. Like, hey, you have to have a moral message at the end. Like so the it can't be, yeah, exactly. Joe, yeah. It can't be too devastating. Otherwise, the kids won't remember the moral knowing lesson. Knowing is half the battle. Apparently so. <laughs> Yeah, I think in general, like, there was something around the 80s that we were just like, hey, do you know what? Let's really fuck up our well, kids. I wonder, I mean, I think if you look at the the culture, hmm, more in America, where in America they were coming into an era where stranger danger was a big thing. They yeah. had the satanic panic going on. And there I mean, was they a lot had of, Charles Manson. Yeah, a lot of moral panic around the safety and well-being of children. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was reflected definitely. in the media. And then they were like, oh, actually, we've gone too far that way. We need to kind of rebound into something a bit light. <laughs> Speaking of the cultural shift, it, 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 the thing that... I like about in Japan, it's like they want to scare their kids because it's good for them. But yeah, it's like it's when you're saying about like yeah. Lance Archer when uh, he's he was playing a heel in New Japan yeah. and he'd be right up in the face of little tiny kids in their parents' arms and they'd be crying and the parents would be there laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just like, yeah, no, they want they want me to do this because it's good for the kids. Yeah, it's a bit of a rite of passage. Yeah, yeah. it's a different approach. I mean, I don't know much about the Japanese attitudes to horror as well. Obviously, horror in Japan. Very different. Very different. Yeah. It's very psychological. Mm. Like, there's a lot more subtlety and nuance to it. Yeah. Um, but they've got ghost stories. Obviously, mm. you know. You get your yokai stories. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They've got their ghosts. They've got their demons. And in a lot of ways, they're a lot more terrifying and elaborate than stuff we get in the West because their imaginations are way out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And, and anything can become a yokai. So, yeah. you know, it's like even your bath mat is not safe. So, like, did you see Ghost in the Shell when you were young? I didn't watch that until I was a teenager. Okay, and like, how did that play in with your Superman? It, I mean, it was it was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, See, whereas me, I was just like, I want, I want one, I want, I want a Superman. I haven't. Body. I mean, I, I, have, I don't think I sh- for, for a while I didn't want to watch things with robots in. I don't think as an older adult I've shied away from it as much. I, I still think the robot uprising is probably how we're all going to die. Like, I'm not happy I mean, about advances in robotics, but yeah, I mean, it's. Um, it's it's probably one of the more inevitable paths to our demise, I, I think. think. it's Yeah, I'd say it's top two or three, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the top one is obviously ecological. Yeah. And so then, this has been a downward yeah. episode, really. <laughs> we have to find a happy note to end on. What was what was your non-scarring childhood material? Uh, lots. Yeah. Like, lots. Ubiquitous as hell. I mean, we're talking about a lot of it on a fairly That's regular true. basis yeah. right now. Uh, Jason the Wheel Warriors, Ulysses. Care Bears, she No, Care Bears. Gummy Bears. Care Bears I had issues with. But really? Care, like, that was more in later life due to a bad acid trip. Right. Uh, I, um, well, that's not the Care Bears fault. I'm just putting it out well, there. Well, no, but I also just found the Care Bears kind of overly creepy. Yeah, um, well, no, not creepy. Overly saccharine, looking back. Yeah, like, and it, that creeped me out a little bit. But, um, but uh, Gummy Bears, definitely. Gummy Bears like, were great. See, this is the thing. Disney were just like one or the other. They were yeah. like, we're going <laughs> to fuck you up or we're going to give you the most wholesome entertainment. Um, Aristocats, uh, when there was... I'm sure there were parts of that as well that fucking bothered me anything was like animals suffering yeah you'd like, i found it easier to deal with human suffering yeah I've, suffering I've always been the same <laughs> always, been, always been the same like i like you know 
if something shows an animal dying, I, I still get upset. But if something shows a person dying, I'm like, yeah, worth. Yeah. Worth. Yeah, that's know. fine. Because I think, I think at the base them. level, you always understand that a person can do something to warrant harm being done to them I they think can they can be deserving of harm an animal yeah. can't i think as well an animal can only ever obey its nature a human can comprehend things in a way an animal can't a human yeah. has an understanding of what's going on yeah like i i i you know i i whenever had dogs i've been training them i felt bad at shouting about shouting a dog you know yeah. trying to try, I, I hate it yeah i hate it but i it, feel you like know. yuki our oldest cat is sitting here now giving me the face she wakes me up at three o'clock every morning by poking me in the bare arm with her claws. And she does it repeatedly until I get up. And it's completely reasonable that I would want to move her off the bed when she does it. And I'm still guilt stricken every time because I don't want her to think that I don't love her. Yeah, no, I, I completely get that. I like whenever I have to shoo one of the cats away for whatever reason, there's yeah. always a little pang of, oh, but I, I still yeah. love you. I hope you understand that you are my, my precious good boy. Yeah, <laughs> your girl. Yeah. Cats are awesome. Yeah, that, there's that's your happy note. They, there's cats your, are great. That's that's the happy note to end yeah. uh, to end on. Cats are awesome. So yeah, hope you guys have enjoyed listening to us talk about some of the media from our childhood, which was fucking scarring as death. Like yeah, heavily scarring. And uh, we'll be as uh, the week before we'll be carrying on with our Jason the Wheel Warriors uh, run through, uh, probably following on with some other. Watch, watch. There's through been of, some interesting visionaries. There's been I, visionaries might be a good next shout because it's, quite it's short. short. Yeah, yeah. Mask and GI Joe are another long term. Like, there's a lot of it, so yeah. it's quite a few episodes. Visionaries we could cover in an episode. Yeah. I think it's about the same length of length. Yeah, as it's like Ulysses. maybe thirteen episodes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, same again for Bucky O'Hare. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you've got a lot of good cartoon goodness coming this way, and we'll. Probably next week is going to be a mental health episode because uh, some tre- I'm going to be going into some treatment, so I'm going to be talking about that a little bit. So there are going to be sort of some sporadic mental health episodes coming out as well. Mm-hmm. That's the plan for the next few weeks. Hope the sounds for the episode's been good because I've just bought a whole new range of equipment. Yeah, everything's and this different. Has first, this has been the first run-through test of it. So if the, if the sound's off, it'll get better as I dial in the equipment and apologies. I think it'll be fine. Uh, I'll be sure it'll be fine. So yeah, hope you've enjoyed the show guys and we shall be back next week with Jace. No, next week mental health. I just said it. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I'm getting treatment. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, we're out. Peace. Take care.